Welcome. It is the Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 317, and it is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what is up? Just finishing off the week and happy about it. It's been a it's been a long and good week. Uh, but the time back from Oktoberfest. Back from Oktoberfest, man. It's it's I'm I'm on the other side of it now. Uh, Lots I wish of these and cocks. I wish I, I wish I could go there for like five or six days in a row. It would just be like entering the Matrix or something. Be the Matrix of drinking and partying and so Oktoberfest is not for the faint of heart. No, nah, it it's like it's work. You got to put in a it's work. <laughs> <laughs> it's like do another crime and do the time, my man. Like you gotta you gotta earn it. That's right. You gotta, you gotta like you're earning your turns. You gotta earn your earn your drinks, man. You gotta earn that later, Hosen. Nobody's giving it to you. You gotta take that shit. You gotta earn you gotta, it. You gotta earn it. Well, speaking of earning it, we had a fantastic interview with our pal Tom Duke. He is a semi ski bum. He's a ski bum out in Taos, New Mexico. He's nice. He uh, he's had a very cool, interesting life and is involved in a bunch of really cool things. Um, one of those being Earthships. If you don't know about Earthships, it's a certain type of building, certain type of construction. You got to check it out. I'm going to have links in the show notes too for uh, for an interview he did. So nice. stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out here at skibumpodcast.com. We are on the socials, X, Instagram, Facebook, Untap, YouTube, at Podcast. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Do you want to support the podcast and be part of our family? Who doesn't? We might invite you over for meatballs and Sunday gravy. Yeah. You can do that. Patreon dot com slash ski bump podcast join the family join the party get some meatballs get some gravy appreciate that yeah get some gravy get some gravy got a shop too ski bump podcast.com slash shop you need some swag get ready for the season some hoodies some hats we got it there so please check it out also snowbound expo did you know we are about a month away from snowbound (sighs) it's coming up quick boston November 3rd through 5th in a new location at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center. Snowbound Expo will be bigger than before. We I wonder if Tom Brady is going to show up. He, we're not, <laughs> listen, we know some not secrets. It out. We're not, we're not saying he's not. We're not saying he is. That's right. We can't officially say that he's going there. Just saying. There is a possibility. There is a possibility. possibility, right? True. Anything is possible in this world. Crazy times. So check them out. Snowboundexpo.com. If you want more info about that too, we're going to have an interview next week. So stay tuned for that. 10,000. Do you need some dope gear? Are you going to ski yourself into shape again this year? Like a knucklehead? (laughs) Pull out your knee, tweak your ankle, something? No, you got to train now. You got to do the, put in the work. 10,000 can help you with that. 10,000. just going to give you skin. You got to take it. That's right. Take it, my friend. Athlete-led design. Test, iterate, repeat. Iron sharpens iron. The only way to become your best is to work with the best. They create gear that's built to perform. They collaborate with a team of the most obsessed and passionate athletes in the world on design, development, and testing of gear. Ultimately, 
goal was simple. Create gear worthy of the world's top athletes like me, like Mario, like you. Better than yesterday. At the heart of 10,000 is the idea of pursuit in business, fitness, life, skiing. They believe in moving forward with a quiet dedication to constant improvement and becoming just a little bit better than they were yesterday. I love that. Go to their site, 10,000.cc. Use the code BSchneider15, all one word, B-S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R-1-5. 15% off. You'll love it. I'm wearing the interval shorts like I always seem to do when I'm podcasting. I got a couple pairs. I wear them all the time. I love them. I think you'll love them too. So check it out. Mario, let's kick this off the way we always do. It's time for our pray today. I'm trying to get through some of the medicine that I have. Uh, so I've been... A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Yeah, that's, you know, a spoonful of medicine is is the sugar I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. So uh, I got my, you know, medical marijuana and uh, I've been drinking that in my, this is a seltzer. It's a cranberry seltzer. So it's almost like a cranberry vodka without the cranberry. Hey, Ric Flair? Cranberry flavor. <laughs> that's right. That's probably without, Ric Flair's and, drink, cranberry vodka. Yeah, right. Yeah. And without the vodka. So there's no cranberry and there's no vodka. There's cranberry flavor, seltzer, and a lot of weed. So it's kind of like a I don't like the evolved way to have a cranberry seltzer, right? Mm. Like I mean, really insane. what these drinks are telling us is that botanists need to just start cross pollinating weed with every fruit. It's just cut yeah, out the like, middle man. We're evolving as as a as a society, and this is part of the evolution of why are we drinking something that kills your liver all the time? Like, I like something that relaxes me since I had a pretty stressful day week after coming back Existence. from Oktoberfest because I wasn't at Oktoberfest. I was stressed. I came back. I had to go back to work. I was stressed. I was angry. I had a lot of anger this week. So this is cooling me off, making me nice and mellow and. I tell you, it's going to set me up for a nice sleep tonight. So, um, I recommend if you, yeah, I, re- I recommend if you have a, a card, do something like this, do like a, an infusion. It's a really good, good way to go. Yeah. I like How about that. you, Brian? So that's the squeeze. No, this is a, so they have this, it's syrup. So they have a maple syrup. Syrup. Put it on your pancakes. This one is the unflavored one, but it's a syrup. So you put it in and you can put it in anything. You can put it in like desserts and stuff. Like I, I tell you that the possibilities for this stuff is endless. Yeah. And it's like, it's like maple syrup consistency, but this one isn't maple. They have one that's maple, another one that's vanilla. So if you're baking, it's perfect for frosting. You know what I mean? You mix that in there and put it in frosting and you don't even have to bake it in the cake. You just dose everybody with the frosting. Oh, I, I still think the idea, now this is a horrible idea. Don't even think about doing it. It's just going to your work and just bringing dosed up brownies and not telling anyone. Hey, Halloween's coming. You can make some nice Halloween cookies with some special frosting, right? That's right. I mean, that that's kind of the gift that gives back right there. But you know what? Like, I think it's it's be really poetic because it's always the people who are like always there like grabbing the free food. Like yeah. Just, 
leave them out there and be like, hey, I don't know. Just be careful. These are not for everyone. Yeah. And just, it's not fentanyl. It's just, it's just weed. Yeah. <laughs> and imagine, you, imagine you had, imagine you had got some weed. You wanted to like, play a joke on your coworkers, give them the weed brownies, but accidentally dosed them with fentanyl and killed your whole department. Damn. That's dark. That's dark. That's a right? good Halloween. That's Halloween, right? That's that could be the plot of some sort of Halloween movie. Yeah. I like that. Like We're going to have to copyright that real quick. Maybe like the office goes like really dark. Yeah. Office and like this becomes like nightmare on the office street. I'm surprised they did. Oh, they did one of those. The office did have the one where the guy was a uh, packer who was trying to um, uh, mend his ways. So he brought uh, cupcakes from a fancy cupcake place for everybody. And everybody found out that he dosed them with all different types of freaking um, legal and non-legal drugs. And they were like seeing shit and doing shit that night. And it was yeah. pretty hilarious. Okay. So yeah. So it's, if, if the office has done it, then the others, yeah. it has exactly. been done. Cause you know, yeah. it was copycat bringing cookies. And I was looking at like, what'd you do to this thing? Yeah. Did you, did you put your, your penis in this or just did D and B's all over it. <laughs> did you spit in it? Like, what would you do? Is there cat poo in this? Like, I don't know. I'm always weary because I'm like, that's just how I am. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I want to eat. I don't know how sanitary you are at home. And you made this. That's great. But what is it? Is it the pecan sandies or something where you put your thumbprint in there and then you and you put like a, <laughs> like a pecan in it? I don't know if that's the Oh, right. Yeah. They put the, you, put your, yeah. you put your thumbprint in there. What if someone didn't use their thumb? What if they used a different appendage to just right. mark it out? Unwash different appendage. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. People are savages. No. Hey, would anybody want some bukkake cookies? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Boo cookies. <laughs> Boo cookies. These look like they're from a package. Yeah, but I did something special to them. See the frosting on it? Yeah, I mean, like, come on. Boo cookies. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's Halloween. They're boo cookies, right? No, no, no it's a ghost. Look at that white ghost. <laughs> white ghost tastes uh, kind of weird. God damn! See, now people know. are gonna think when they go to eat those holiday cookies, like, do you really know what's in there? Just saying. Just, just check yourself. I'd rather have just weed. How about be that? wary? There you go. See, thanks, weed. See, <laughs> thanks. Weed. You got my back. <laughs> I, I've just been so fat lately. I've just been eating everything. You're huge. You're enormous. I'm just, just, uh, I just feel gross. I'm trying to find some cleaner stuff. And I've been talking about this for a couple weeks now. I've been trying to find these like electrolyte drinks. And I had that pickleball cocktail a couple weeks ago. Did a couple of the, um, those kill cliffs, which aren't really like electrolytes. They're more of energy drinks. And I found this one. This is, this is kind of the fancy one. And our neighbors gave us some some ones to try, and I decided to just go all in and buy like a third pack of thirty. Why why try one? Just buy a box of thirty. Don't ever, try, just buy. Right. I'm a big believer in that. Jesus take the wheel. Jesus take the Amazon shopping cart. Did so you I got buy these. gold this week at Costco? Oh, I heard about that. I did not. Now uh, I feel left out. I should have gone. Yeah, I know. So I got these Good Element God. packets. I think it's pronounced Element. L M N T. Huh. You ever seen these or tried them? I think I've seen them and I've never tried them. Yeah. They have a bunch of different flavors and the ones that our neighbors gave us were not this flavor. They were other ones. And I'm like, you know what? These are good. 
But you know what flavor sounds really good to me? Watermelon salt. Oh. That's the one I got. Melons. Water, melon, salt. Hundred mm, or thousand. Pornographic. Salty melons. I don't know what you're checking out, but. Uh, Salty melons? A thousand milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of manganese. No, magnesium. Manganese. Jeez. Mm. And the one thing they talk about on the box, they're like, hey, we've got the salt or something like that. Because it seems like a lot of things are like, we have no salt and that's good. And these guys are like, no, you need salt to hydrate. to electrolytes what does it are. taste like? Does it taste like salty watermelon? A little bit. So it's almost like a margarita, a watermelon margarita. I guess there is a is little salt with the, yeah. Salt the rim. Huh. It's it's actually it's weird for the first like the very first time you try it and it, you're like huh and you're kind of like hmm it's like that kombucha girl meme where she's like hmm and uh. <laughs> it's really not bad I like it it, it grows on you that's for sure because you're expecting hey, sweet you and you don't get it. it what's that you put alcohol in it right <laughs> I didn't this is actually just so this is just the uh, the watermelon salt but it they of course do say hey it also works great as a mixer so nice this is what i've come prepared for so i drank about this much this much of the bottle so there's a little bit left all right so what's gonna be the liquor of choice well uh, this is gonna be really we're gonna get really weird here because you know what gonna get real the world's a weird place mario knows i'm a big fan of key lime pie Probably my favorite dessert. Oh, yeah. I actually found key lime pie bubbly seltzer. Nice. But this is just, it, it's actually. I think LaCroix has one of those too, don't they? Do they? You smell it and you're like, hmm, it smells like crust, like pie crust and meringue mm, pie crust. Just, and lime, which is pretty incredible. So I'm going to put yeah. a little bit of this in with the watermelon salt. And then. Some watermelon lime. I found this. I don't know how old this is. I got some kettle one cucumber mint. Yeah, the botanical one. Oh, you're going, you're mixing some. This is evil genius stuff you're making right now. This this sounds like something that would be had at a summer party in the Hamptons. You're a mixologist right now. Yeah. This is something that like an eyes wide shut party would serve. Brian, you've crafted this. This is what you're. I was inspired by looking at the floor of my basement. You got a lot of you guys get the cucumber from that botanical stuff. Yeah, cucumber, watermelon, salt, key lime pie. Not bad. That is not huh. that is not shabby. It tastes like someone took a garden and threw it in a blender. Hi ho. Wow. Hi ho. Like a garden in Russia. So not bad, but would you say it's good? <laughs> you know what is weird about it? The cucumber is weird. You get like this thing a is cucumber really, watermelon is pretty good. Right? Yeah, it works. Like my wife makes a cucumber watermelon salad with mint, and this has got cucumber and mint and the watermelon salt and a little bit of key lime, a little lime. See the key lime pie, I think might be throwing it off. It's the crust, the crust flavor problem. I got no problem lime, with the crust. I like to keep it crusty. Key lime, I like to keep it's it a different flavor. The crust adds a little flavor in there. That's a little vanilla-y, probably. Like I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but it's Maybe very though. subtle. It's subtle. All right. It's like when you're wearing short shorts 
and you get a breeze and just blows across the nether regions. You're like, oh, like wasn't expecting that, but uh Oh, that's the mint talking. It. It's like Ben Gay. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. I guess a little bit, yeah. Little icy hot on there. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dr. Bronner's on the uh the taint, you know. On the taint. You know, you know you're alive. Did that once when I was younger playing baseball and it just kind of rubbed too much on a wrong place and the sweat and the running of stuff just kind of got in there and ooh, it was a five alarm fire. Yeah. Just saying. It's uh it's like the I think I ever healed. It's like smelling salts. <laughs> oh yeah. Smelling salt smelling salts in the wrong spot. Oh yeah. Smelling yeah. salts for your for your gonads. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Mix it all together. Let's get a little weird. It's Friday night. Yeah. It's right. It is Friday. God damn. I think think we should just get into the... Get into it. Let's go to Ski News. So, holy smokes. It's going to be October in a couple days. I'm hoping to get this out by October 1st. We shall see. Maybe the 2nd. No promises. (laughs) But yes, things are starting to go fast and furious now. I was just at a Ski Vermont event this week. Going to go to a couple... Other events next week, including Ski Utah and Icon Pass event. And speaking of the Icon Pass, they put out a press release. The good stuff just got better with two new Icon Pass destinations for winter 23-24. And this is for the tri-state mid-Atlantic folks. This is big. Oh, big-ish. Camelback. Blue Mountain in Pennsylvania joined the Icon Pass for 23-24, unlocking even more East Coast access for Icon Pass holders. Score your Icon Pass at its lowest current price till October 13th. Located in Tannersville, Pennsylvania, Camelback Resort, the largest ski mountain in the Poconos, not to brag, offers 166 skiable acres with a wide variety of terrain that is perfect for skiers and snowboarders of all abilities. Known for its ideal environment to learn the sport, Camelback takes great pride in its 60-year history of creating the ultimate guest experience. Blue Mountain in Palmerton, Pennsylvania, boasts the state's highest vertical and one of the largest snowmaking systems on the East Coast, providing the longest ski season in the Poconos. Nice. So if you are a Icon Pass holder, you will have access to seven days each at Camelback and Blue Mountain with no blackout dates. If you're an Icon Base Pass holder, five days at each destination with select blackout dates. And they're also available on the Icon Sessions Pass. So I've never done Blue Mountain, but I did Camelback a lot. I like Camelback. It was a fun mountain. Camelback, yeah, I think I remember. I think we did it. Oof, God, how long ago was that? We did it on like the weekend of President or MLK a bunch of years ago with Steve and Nestor. Mm. Yeah, Again, a million years ago, that was fun, crowded, but still pretty fun. Well, that's uh, the problem know, with Camelback. If you go midweek, it's great. Weekend gets a little crowded, but it's kind of a nice mountain, nice layout. It's very, it's kind of like wide. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty wide mountain. I uh, you know if, learning. If I'm doing a quick day trip, I usually hit Blue Mountain at least once a year. Oh, nice! I, I like it. It's 
for me, it's probably the closest place in the Poconos. Mm. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's, it's funny the way it works out. It, it's almost, they're almost the same, like Shawnee, Blue Mountain, Camelback are almost identical time-wise. But yeah. midweek, early in the season, like Blue Mountain can be fun. Um, like I said, I try to go there at least once a year. This makes the nice. Icon Pass again a lot more for Indian for me. If you think about it, well, it just makes it more enticing for me because there's yeah. nowhere near Epic. Like, I mean, the closest place is Hunter, and I'm not going to Hunter more than like one or two times a season. But those are places you could take the kids as the yeah, learn, right? It's, Which is nice. You know what? Blue Mountain's got a really weird layout because they have one of those. You can park at the top of the mountain or you could park at the bottom of the mountain. Huh. And the top of the mountain, I mean, they have this really nice patio and outdoor restaurant. But the there's a trail that almost like traverses across all the trails that, to get to that hmm. place. So there's there's some funky intersections that you run into there. Yeah. But, you know, not a big deal hmm. by by any stretch of the imagination, but yeah, it's a. I like it for a couple of days on the, during the season. I think it's a solid spot. So this is this is going to be really good for in tri-state, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, maybe Virginia people. So new yeah. options. It's never good having more. It's never bad having more options. So good news. That's very cool. Yeah, nice. So in other mountain news, Silverton Mountain gets new owners too. So Man. everything's getting bought. Like I, I, I feel left out. I need this stuff usually happens earlier in the year too. This is more like this is like summer activity, but it's happening this very is last minute. Opening. Yeah, this is like boom. Hey, last minute, we just mm-hmm. bought it. So uh, Silverton Mountain, known for wide, uh, worldwide for the unique big mountain skiing experience, created by Aaron and Jen Brill. Um, the skier is founded built and has been continually operated by Aaron and Jen Brill since its inception in 1999 when Aaron first moved to Silverton. Um, the Brill's vision was for an all expert skier with focus on big mountain adventure versus real estate development. In the 80s, the 90s, the ski resort industry is primarily about development of condos and, and real estate sales, uh, making, making Silverton stand out for what it was for what it wasn't much as what it was. Uh, so when it opened in 2001, it became the first ski area to consist of all expert skiing with no easy way down, no clear cut trails, no grooming and no real estate development, all thrills and no frills. So so, I, time, I love that. It's so yeah, awesome. Oh, it is. It's pretty awesome. Uh, at the time, the ski industry had a little interest in expanding expert skiing operations that exist in ski resorts because the intermediate skiers were the ones buying the high priced condos. So people wanted to be seen. They wanted the frills and they didn't want the thrills where Silverton did the topsy turvy. And now they became known, you know, successfully unfolding Silverton uh, and other resorts followed suit with more expert terrain expansions targeted expert skiers. So Silverton just announced that it was acquired this week by a Colorado based business called Heli Adventures Inc. Led by Andy Culp and CEO Brock Strasburger. Strasburger as president, who both live in Colorado. The Brill stated that after 25 years within the volatile ski industry, they're looking forward to being able to focus on family and probably rip it up a little bit more. So uh, the standard 
which is the news organization, sat down for Q&A with Aaron and Jen Brill to discuss the interesting history of Silverton Mountain and what to expect in the, in the future. So we're going to look to this. This is going to be interesting. I'm sure there's going to be more talk about this. We got, um, you know, this is pretty damn, pretty damn special praise. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure most folks who are, you know, our hardcore skiers know about Silverton. I know like, again, one of my favorite Warren Miller films is the um, line of descent and they, they feature Silverton at the end there. You know, they have one lift, they have the heli operation and you just go there with a guide. I think, I think you, I think you have to go with a guide or maybe you have to sign some waiver if you don't, but it's just a giant gnarly mountain and you just do your thing. I mean, it's it just, it, it's off. just, it looks so awesome. And I know our buddy, Nick, he was texting me this summer. He's like, dude, he's like me and my buddy, you're doing Silverton this year. He's like, you win. I'm like, give me the deets. Give me the deets, baby. Because I, that's one of the places like on my, on my list, very high up. Yeah. There. And I love too. I love the whole, Hey man, we don't want to care. We don't care about real estate development. We don't care about all the nonsense, all the fancy bullshit. We just want the gnarliest skiing possible. Like that. Oh yeah. I like that's, this is the kind of stuff that if you're real skiers and boarders, like this is what you want. Like this is what these are. These places are few and far between. And the places that do do it are just, they're very special spots. And it's great that the people they're selling it to seem to be pretty hardcore and not, they're not selling it to Vale or, or Altera and with plans to, Oh, we're going to expand, you know, condos on the mountain or any of that stuff. This is, it's a, it's a special place and it looks like it's going to stay in special hands, which is good. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, rugged terrain, it, it keeps a lot of people away when they're looking for a vacation. So if you want skiing, we got to look for the ski places, not the vacation places necessarily. Yeah. So. Yeah, and they were the bottom of the article talks about they were trying to get a second lift put in, but they even said it's not even going to happen for this season. So they've been talking about it for a while, still not going to happen, and hmm. that's fine. It's still going to be awesome the way it is, which is great. Yeah. So and it's cool too. Like you in that line of descent movie, they talked to Aaron a bit, and he's saying like, you know, he went out there like he had to dig the poles for the lift when he went out there, he didn't know how to do it, but he was just so dedicated to build it. He had a very specific vision for what he wanted to build. And he's like, I got to figure out how to do it. Figure that shit out, man. Yeah. Necessity, the mother invention, right? Amen to that, right? (laughs) That's right. It's pretty cool. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I mean, are they going to have more heli skiing? Are they going to do like, cat skiing are they gonna just do keep it natural and just let people hike hike and earn their turns like what's gonna go on right yeah interesting yeah. to see and but i feel left out i think we gotta buy a ski area now yeah right i know hey uh it's anything is possible these days right yeah yeah well speaking of new ownerships and being we're staying in colorado here echo mountain in Clear Creek County was also sold. 
So after seven years of ownership that saved the Echo Mountain ski area from the brink of extinction, Burwell Enterprises this week sold the small Clear Creek County operation to Jogan Inc., a company based in Englewood. So small Colorado companies smelling to sell, selling to other small Colorado companies, which is good. Hmm. Our nice. goal with Echo Mountain was to create Colorado's most affordable, most accessible, and most diverse ski and snowboard destination. Kind of the opposite of Silverton. <laughs> Burwell Enterprises Chief Executive Peter Burwell said in a news release, our remarkable team members at Echo built that vision into a reality. My family is incredibly proud of that and them. Jogan Inc. is a shared services organization, according to a profile on the company's LinkedIn page. The growing company aims to revolutionize the staffing, transportation, security, consumer wellness, medical, and real estate industries with technological innovation and comprehensive solutions that bring communities closer together. Wow, that sounds pretty cool. Is Jogan Inc., is that really a disguise for Joe Rogan Incorporated? <laughs> I think you have unlocked the secret here. I'm just saying. I see yeah. it right there, clear as day. That's Joe Rogan Inc. I mean, you're crazy, Joe you're Rogan. Crazy. You're crazy, yeah. Joe Rogan. <laughs> so Burrell acquired Echo in 2016 after the previous owners filed for bankruptcy. It has just 60 acres of skiing and one chairlift, but it does have lights that allow for night skiing. Is located on a slope south of Idaho Springs, whose lights are visible from the area at night. So, if you are ever on I seventy and you're, you know, cruising back from from Breck or Vale or any of those places, you shoot right past Echo. Maybe you notice it, maybe you don't, but that's mm-hmm. where it is. And they got night skiing. So, luckily, it's staying in Colorado hands and might be worth checking out. Next time you're out there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So next up, we have very special places that people are starting to talk about now. Now, this is the time of year you get your best of, where to go, travel advice, right? So Outside Magazine came out with their 36 best places to visit in the U.S. for adventure. And And I'll turn this over to Brian now. Yeah, yeah, and they did it in a they had a bunch of different criteria. And you know, I'm trying to plan a I I dying to do a cross country trip in the states. And this was nice. cool because it gave me a lot of good ideas. You know, some places that you kind of know about, you're like, "Oh, of course, you want to go there, you want to go there." Destinations, right? Possible destinations. Things that you, you know, may think about, may not think about. And they had the I was really surprised the mountain winner was the Catskill Mountains in New York. Hmm. That wow. was, I got to be honest, that was surprising to me. I mean, it is it's very up pretty there. up there. I would imagine yeah. the smoke maybe, but I don't know. They had Truckee as the backup. That was for mountain. But they had biking winner was in Monument Trails, Arkansas. I don't huh. think about that. Very cool. So they got a lot, yes. they definitely have some quirkier things, which, you know, outside's going to, if anyone's going to quirk it up, it's going to be outside. But what I found yeah. interesting was what they chose for ski destination. And what they chose, which will eventually be a good interlude into the main topic, is Taos mm-hmm. Ski Valley, New Mexico. 
Wow. Operating a ski resort is an inherently resource-intensive business. Taos Ski Valley, however, has long taken a more conscientious approach, proving itself a maverick in the industry by committing to clean energy initiatives. Taos was the first major ski resort to become a certified B Corp, which means that its operations meet the highest social and environmental standards. Late last year, it became carbon neutral certified after reducing its carbon footprint. It now uses renewable energy to power snowcats, snowmaking machines, and chairlifts, underground green building upgrades, and invest in offsite projects like reforestation and biofuels. Aside from its reputation for driving change, the main reason skiers flock to this resort in northern New Mexico is for the uncrowded, low-key vibe. That and a hmm. quick hike to steep chutes off the West Basin, bird's-eye views of the Sangre de Cristo Mountains from atop 12,481-foot Kachina Peak and the green chili-stuffed breakfast burritos from Bump's Market in the village. Wow. Yeah. So I have talked... You know, talked about it uh, in the past and shown, have a, a book all about the Taos Ski Valley and the founders of it. And it's a fascinating story about, you know, folks from Austria, Switzerland who came over after World War II, founded this place. It's got a lot of very, you know, Alpine Bavarian looking, uh, you know, lodging and buildings, the ones that are still remaining down at the bottom. And it's one of those places you, like, I, again, I've never been there. Mario, I know you've never been there. Never been there. But it's one of those places, like, you look at the trail map on it, you're like, God damn, like, this is, this is, what's it, two-thirds, I think, black diamonds or double blacks? I mean, it's super, super gnarly terrain, and it's in a beautiful spot. I have a cousin who lives in New Mexico, and he said, the skiing there is pretty good. And I'm like, and there's another person on one of the ski trips that um, made friends with, and, and she was saying, you know, she's from New Mexico ton of good skiing out there. I'm like, really? I would have never thought of it, but I guess it makes sense, right? No, it doesn't make sense. That's why we're like, after you think about it, right? But like, you never think about it top of mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's skiing an hour outside of Las Vegas, which again, you never think about that either. There's good skiing in Arizona. You know, if you go far enough North Arizona snow bowl. Yeah. The Southwest is, you know, it's easy to, to kind of not look past Colorado and Utah as being, you know, look, think of them as like the southernmost skiable areas. But yeah, there's there's New Mexico and, and Arizona and hmm. I, I guess wow. to a degree, even southern Nevada that has some stuff that's worth checking out, which is a great interlude into our main topic. I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. We talked to our friend Tom Duke. Now, Tom, he reached out to us a bunch of years ago, just, you know, kind of commenting on our amazing ability to use goddamn in different ways, which I thought was pretty goddamn. pretty pretty funny. <laughs> different goddamn um, exclamations, you know. Just but yeah, we yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've been we've been chatting for years and he always drops a line every once in a while and always has a you know uh, a kind thing to say or and some interesting you know interesting and, and fun information. And he's had a pretty cool, interesting life. And like I mentioned earlier on, he lives in an earth ship. Which man, that sounds awesome. I will tell you. Go look up Earthship Homes and see what they look like. They look super cool. Some of them are crazy out of this world. They're just I like that there's unlimited possibilities you could do with it. 
Like it, you just get creative and make your own home. Completely. Like you really, and you can do it yourself. Like you do, a, like you can potentially build your own house using yeah. this style. They use lots of old tires, old bottles. Tom talks about his fence and uh, he, he put in some time to get the building materials for his fence and he will get mm. into, he'll give you some more information about that. We will put, a link in the show notes to his YouTube video. I mean, it's got millions of views. It was definitely seems like you need a truck, right? You can't be like a Prius guy and think that you're going to be able to move all the stuff that you can. Like you need some big mover or something. I don't, I don't know. That's what it seems to me. Need the horsepower. Yeah. yeah. You definitely need a cyber truck would be lovely. Probably. Oh, if it was real. But if it was real. Yeah. God damn it. it Musk. There's Earthship Academy's four-week training where you can learn about the theory, the methodology, the techniques behind Earthship construction. So I wonder if I could write that off on uh, training for work, Earthship Academy. Earthship Academy. And again, you're trying to get building materials and, you know, beer bottles work great. So you're like, I am just, this is me acquiring building resources. Nice. Super important. So yes. This is uh, and it's it seems to be a very Taos thing, but they do them all over the world, like these are Earth ships. But they seem to be have a special place down there. And you know, Tom gives us a whole bunch of of great details, talks about the Earth ships, but more importantly, talks about what it's like skiing and living out in the Taos ski valley. So we think you're going to enjoy it. Here it is, our friend Tom Duke. We have a a very special guest today. Uh, this this gentleman, he reached out to us probably a couple of years ago now, you know, checked out the podcast, comes, has a very, very unique point of view, perspective. He is char- charter member of the fan club out in New Mexico. A big welcome, Mr. Tom Duke. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here. This is like a dream come true for me. You need to dream bigger, my friend, but thank you. It is great to have you today. Well, well I started, uh, you know, commuting a lot for my job in 2020, and I started skirting around all the different ski podcasts, and then I just kept coming back to you guys because I'd actually laugh out loud on some of your things. So, that you know, that's what got me hooked. Well, we greatly appreciate that because, you know, we, we feel like we fill a very important niche in the ski world because some people just take themselves too seriously. Like they're too awesome. Like we're just like trying to be your buddies in the car, on the plane, like going to your next ski trip and having a good time. Like, cause that's really end of the day skiing. It's not that serious. It's pretty fun. So that's it should right. be laugh. should be yeah. good time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yes, Tom, so you have a very cool and interesting background, at least the part that I know. I don't even know your whole like, your whole origin story. And that's kind of the thing like we love talking about when we get any of our, you know, interesting people we talk to on the podcast is their origin story. Um, but for now, so where are you located? I know I mentioned New Mexico already. Where is your home mountain and how did you end up there? Well, my home mountain is Taos Ski Valley. And um, I ended up in Taos because my wife and I got really interested in uh, earthship construction, which is uh um, self-sustaining houses made out of recycled material. So we started to go to Taos uh, where they build them and learn about them and everything. And then we started thinking about living there because we wanted to build one and we wanted to be near where the earthship builders were so we could have good advice and everything. We wanted to build our house ourselves. 
I also noticed that uh, Towski Valley was nearby, and I knew that we were planning on having kids. So uh, even though I wasn't a skier at the time, I knew it was going to be cool to raise kids at a ski area, and that was always my plan. Oh, so you weren't actually a skier when you ended up in the Taos area? No. The interesting thing is my kids, when they were about eight and six years old, they got me into skiing, and they taught me how to ski. So it was kind of a... I lost you. You broke up for a second. You said your kids, eight and six, got you into it? Yeah, they were like... I had been paying for their lessons at this Better Shredder program. And they were loving skiing and they just kept asking me why I wasn't skiing. I was just busy like building my career in a house. But then when they really wanted me to join them, I stepped up and got the gear and and they trained me and it was kind of a cool reversal. That is really cool. Now, but you had, now you weren't just some guy like just sitting around doing nothing and decided you're going to start skiing. Like you, you're a, you have an athletic background, right? Yeah, I was a pro a volleyball player. I played pro beach in the summers all over the American beaches. And then I'd go to Europe and play uh, pro indoor. I did that for about 12 years. My wife and I, she was a pro volleyball player too. We retired and then uh, went on a search around the country for a place to settle down and build a house and build a life. And that's how we ended up in Taos. So what were some of the, uh, what were the, the uh, silver and bronze medal places? That you looked it was at. funny. We checked out Jackson Hole. We really liked it. Um, they, it was funny. We weren't skiers, but we were looking at ski areas. We were looking at the places around Mammoth. We wanted to be in the mountains. And uh, it just ended up that Taos was like the most uh, affordable, um, least populated kind of uh, like Taos is a really amazing city for being a small city. It's got a whole art scene and the and the native american pueblo and and the ski valley and we're just like we like it here so we ended up staying there it was just way more affordable than anywhere else uh, we looked everywhere we looked oregon we looked california uh, wyoming montana and we ended up in taos that's pretty cool now getting back to the whole earthship thing so you've mentioned it's you know sustainable how did you, is this something that you knew about when you were moving there and wanted to get involved with it? Or is that something that you kind of learned about when you got there? We had read, read an article in the LA times when we were living in LA and playing beach volleyball about the earthships. And like, we saw this crazy guy, Mike Reynolds building houses out of recycled tires. And we were kind of do it yourself people. And we wanted to be independent and man, it just made sense to us. And we just started going out to Taos to learn more and more about, the Earthships. And then one day, you know, the head of the Earthships, uh, the designer, Mike Reynolds, he just said, Hey, give me 10,000 bucks. You can start building tomorrow, whatever the heck you want. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, you should build this little thing called the hut. You can do it for $2,500 and you'll be in a self-sustaining home that heats and cools itself. And, um, we, so we jumped on it and we, it was just a big leap of faith. And, uh, and we started building right then and there one day after giving them 10,000 bucks. So how much of this did you actually do yourself, this, this earthship? Well, this hut, we, uh, we actually made a video about how to build a hut. It's on YouTube still. And it was, it had, like, now it's millions of views too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like millions. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've been a big proponent of the earthships and I've done ER for the company a little bit. And, uh, I just really believe in them and, and we can get into this maybe later, but like, 
the freedom you get from having build your own earthship and how independent you are, it's a lot like skiing, you know, it gives you that independence and that kind of that outlet. And uh, a lot of skiers have built earthships and like once they built their own house with no mortgage, they're super free to become highfalutin ski bombs, you know? Everyone's dream, right? It's, it is. It is. Uh, Mike Reynolds has got a lot of ski bombs into a, like a warm, you know, house without any exterior, you know, um, energy needed. Just interacting with the uh, thermal mass and the solar and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just so fascinated by this. So you you create, you drop the 10 grand, you start building your place. How long is that process from starting to finishing and having a house built? Well, it was so crazy. We were uh, 32 years old and 30 at the time. We had so much energy and we just wanted to build this uh, survival structure before winter. So we did it in two months. We built this little hut and we were in there and we were warm and we had a little solar panel and a camping stove. Our family thought we were crazy because we were living out in the middle of the high desert in this little tiny dome. But it gave us the freedom to not have a mortgage and to learn how to build airships and to learn what kind of design we wanted. And so... Over the next 25 years, we've been adding on to that hut. So now we have like a 3,500 square foot house, but it started in 1997 as a $2,500 little hut. My my uh, son actually lived in the hut um, for a few years when he and his brother uh, decided to separate from their you know roommate situation in the main house. So that so oh, that is so awesome. So you started in 97. It's so it's like a living house almost. Uh, yeah, it's um, the house. The house heats and cools itself. It harvests rainwater. We grow food in the planters. We recycle and, and clean our water. We treat our sewage. It's a self-sustaining house, and it's um, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's not for everybody, but um, you know, my wife and I did most of the work ourselves, and we have a little loan that we're paying off—a construction loan. But other than that, it's been super affordable. And it's kind of allowed me to start skiing 70 days a year, which I've been doing over the last 10 years, you know. And now my kids are, um, we're empty nesters and and life is getting really easy now. So um, that's why I invited you and Mario to come out and ski anytime you want. We have a nice guest room and uh, we'll take care of you. That is so awesome. And yes, thank you so much. And I, I really hope we can we can get out there soon. Well, you guys, I just want to say like, you guys are just so amazing. Like uh, I have so much fun listening. I look forward to it every day. I'm not just blowing smoke right now. I just like, you guys have talent and I crack up sometimes when I've been listening to the podcast for 45 minutes and I go, shit, they haven't even mentioned skiing yet, but it's still fun. <laughs> you know, we are <clears throat> trying to fix that a little bit too. Try to get into the skiing faster and break it up. I don't mind. Podcasts. Well, we're going to still do it, but we're going to break it into multiple ones. So, right. you know, some, We've gotten the people who are like, you don't talk about skiing enough, bro. It's like, well, okay. yeah. listen, we'll talk plenty about skiing. It's like, also, hey, man, it's July. Like, we're doing what we can here. You know, we're trying to enjoy the summer, too. But, yeah. I, it's, also, uh, I also love the fact that, you know, uh, like, the top-level skiers, they're amazing, and I worship them, of course. But, like, you and I and Mario, we're, like, the real kind of skiers. You know, we do it because we love it. And, you know, maybe we're not the top-level skiers on the mountain, but we're pretty good. And just have so much fun doing it. And that's the, that's what I liked about your ski path, uh, your ski podcast was it's, it wasn't just like experts talking about expert things. 
So, because yeah, you know, we can ski really well, but yeah, we're also dummies at the same time. Like, I mean, there was a time a couple of years ago, me and Mario were skiing together, and I went up to go and like spray him with snow, and I actually fell and bent my pole. Like, that's just like that's the kind of stupid things that you and your buddies do. And you know, yeah. like, I'm not going to be like hucking like you know triple black flips off a off a cliff. Like, I wish I could. Like, that's yeah. not me this, at my age right now. Like, I, I gotta. I got to pay insurance. You know, like I pay my own insurance. Like if you're 16, you double back flipping because you're on your parents' insurance. Like, that's awesome. That's you. You do you, my man. It's like, but yeah, it's like you're at a different phase right now. And like, you know, we mentioned before we uh, started the podcast, like I have the little kids now, so I'm trying to get them fired up. So like, I'm trying to be like the, like, let's have a good time and, and do some skiing guy instead of being like the cool guy hanging out till, you know, two in the morning drinking and, Right. hopefully like stumbling onto the first chair like you know that that phase is gone now we're going on to another phase and it's you know ebbs and flows of life you know they're, they're all beautiful for different reasons and uh, i'm just trying to share those experiences and it's cool like people like you find it and uh and enjoy it so that's that's you know that's why we do it because people do enjoy it well i'm excited for you because i my kids are in college now but like the best times of my life and i'm really into like appreciating the perfect moments in life and most of them have to do with my sons and myself skiing. Like us spending all Saturday and Sunday skiing together. There's just nothing better. It's just the best dad time you could possibly have. And there's also those moments where like it's it's miserable. Like the days start out miserable. Yeah. And you're like, why am I even doing this? And then all of a sudden, like something changes. They make one good run. You know, they just, something starts to click with them. And the whole thing turns around and everything that was bad just vaporizes. And it's all just positive like fun memories like you, you forget the bad part because it was so great yeah and uh you know the, the better shredder program in taos they really made it fun for the kids where they they had candy hidden all over the mountain they'd have like chicken and rice for lunch hot chocolate so the kids got a good love for the sport you know before we started and uh they've been pretty tough um the funniest thing was last year i, I hit a jump and i tucked my legs and i thought i was all awesome and couple teenagers were like, yeah, bro. And then I, I, I told my kids down at the I'm like, that I got a cheer from these teenagers. And my son said, well, they were probably just making fun of you, dad. And I was like, well, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, right. But you don't know that. You don't know yeah, that. You don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of those sports like it, you know, cause you know, golf, I guess it's fun. Some people are into it, but you know, for me, like, skiing like it makes me feel like a kid again i mean how many things like how many sports are there that you know if you tried playing football right now like we've talked about this recently in the podcast there's people that we know who think that they can actually gain yards in the nfl like as like 40 something year old out of shape men and i was watching games yesterday and every play i was like god damn my hip hurts just watching that you know yeah you can't we're not gonna play football tomorrow like it's not gonna happen your buddy that said that is absolutely insane, and he'd probably, you know, get injured right away. I mean, those guys are so finely tuned. Holy crap. God, like <laughs> I, I, I used to watch a lot of football as a kid, and I kind of got away from it. But I started watching it yesterday because my son's playing flag football, and he, I don't want him to be that kid, which he is right now, kind of standing around, like not knowing what he's doing. Uh-huh. I'm trying to like, hey, look, look at this. He's, he's more of an individual sport kid at this point. But I'm trying to like show him some things. I'm, I'm just watching the game. I'm like, the the athletes are so good. There's like not even like no one has, there's no weak spots on any defense. Like everyone is an absolute beast. 
Like, well, how about those those hero guys on the mountain that just carve at such high speed? Their skill level is so insane, you know. Um, I'm just blown away. My friend Todd Gravel, he'll he just shows off by go like carving on one ski with the other ski up in the air, and like it just blows me away how how amazing some of these athletes are. So um, I, I try not to hurt anybody. I stay out of everyone's way. <laughs> What's so cool about skiing too is. You know, it's funny, like you watch like those old Warren Miller movies from like the 60s and 70s, the whole like ski ballet phenomenon that was like a thing for a while. You know, it's just yeah. like, over time, like there just becomes different things you can do on the mountain. Like, yeah, you can do the ski ballet, you could do moguls, you can do freestyle, you can do back. Like, it just seems to be growing and growing all the things you can do, fine tuning to, you know, what you like doing. Like, people do aerials. Like, I would never want to do that, but that, looks it's incredible to watch them like you're just at the top of this massive slope this massive ramp and you just fly off and do you know 15 backflips twirls whatever like it's it's just so cool to have that many different things that you can do so you can kind of figure out what you're into and go pursue that on the mountain i've really gotten into trying to carve because that just is like those guys that can carve and make those perfect turns i just have so much respect for it and uh my kids, you know, they never really carved. Uh, they don't even know what it is because they just go down the mountain as fast as they can and jump off everything. And I was actually showing my 17-year-old how to carve last year. And, man, he picked it up so quick. And uh, just that youth in the legs. And uh, it's just what a lifelong pursuit to learn how to carve because, man, getting on those edges and you get that extra speed from it, it's, it's wild. And, that, see, that's where we got you beat on the ice coast because we have plenty of steep icy terrain that makes you a great carver because you just it's almost like there's mornings where you're like should we wear ice skates instead of yeah. because yeah. you know God, there's been some days where we've been up at uh, up in vermont and you know it's a crappy 50 degree rainy day and then it drops to 10 degrees overnight and you're like Tomorrow morning is going to be an interesting one. And we joke around instead of, you know, get, getting first tracks, we call them first scrapes. Yeah. <laughs> There's just days you just. I've never had, never had a bad day skiing, but uh, one late May day at a basin, it was so icy and so cold that I was, I just gave up after an hour and a half. I was just like, none of my friends would ski with me because you know, the conditions they're they're snobby, but I still charge. And, uh, it was just too much. I just had to stop. It's the only time I ever gave up on a day. That's you still made the effort though. So points for Heck that. Yeah. 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 Cause uh, every day is better skiing than not. Oh, a hundred percent. So now you're saying you're getting over 70 days in. Yeah. A season. Yep. yep. Now are, are those primarily at Taos? Like where are some other places that you like to, to hit in your area? Well, Taos is my main mountain, but uh, my buddy, Dr. Dan, lives up in Leadville, Colorado, and I go to A-Basin and Copper a lot uh, with him and, and Monarch. And then we go to Wolf Creek in the early season, like um, October and November. And my kids and I, we actually ran into a giant bear one October in, in, in Wolf Creek on the slope, which was kind of cool. And then I also like um, Sipapu. It's cool and- because you can talk about it. It could have yeah. gone very poorly, too. <laughs> no. Um, we, uh, I just raised up my poles and that seemed to scare them away eventually. But, um, we also do like Pajarito and, and, uh, that's in Los Alamos and, um, Angel Fire, Sipapu. 
um, my kids, they just love going to new ski valleys. Like that's really something they like to do. So we try to go to a couple new ones every year. Isn't there one by you, Red River or something? Yeah. I, I think did you sent me the link to that. Yeah, it was uh, 29 bucks at the end of spring break. It's a big mountain. Um, it was amazing. For, and for 29 bucks, my kid and I had the best time. They had a really nice little terrain park, and uh, we really enjoyed it. You know, it's so funny. Like, again, you think of, again, as a dummy on the East Coast, you think of New Mexico, and yeah, you think of, you know, Roswell. You think of Mexican border, you know, like it's, it's, you have to be really be a skier or know the terrain to be like, Oh dude, there's some amazing skiing out there in the, the Taos Valley. And, you know, once you start doing a little research on it and, you know, like I, like this book you showed me the yes. history and like, I mean, it's incredible what they built there and they were smart enough to know to, to move down to that area. Uh, you know, Ernie and the guys who, who put this yeah. together after World War II? There's a whole like European tradition at Tal Ski Valley and like serious uh, ski school. And when I first started skiing 11 years ago, it was a really neat mountain. It was kind of rinky dink, but we had like techno concerts and wild parties, and the, and the <laughs> martini bar was pumping. And my they let my kids play pool in the bar. It was super fun. Now we have this uh, billionaire, uh, Mr. Bacon, bought it. But he kind of won us all over because he's put these amazing lifts going all the way up to the ridge. And uh, it's it's looking more like Vale right now. But the improvements, we you know, as the pure skiers, we can't deny that we like them. So uh, yeah. I miss the old days a little bit. But um, like I said, the, the Kachina Peak Lift is amazing. It takes all up to the 13,000-foot peak up there. And that opened, what, like four or five years ago? Yeah, and uh, it's interesting to tie it back into Earthships is um, the Mr. Bacon originally um, um, commissioned Mike Reynolds, the Earthship designer, to build a warming hut on top of the mountain, but they went with another design, and I was just, uh, I really wanted to work on that project. That would be a lifelong goal to have an Earthship warming hut at the top of Ski uh, uh, Tau Ski Valley. Um, maybe it'll happen in the future. That was one of the first thoughts I had. I'm like, would it be possible to build an Earthship Lodge? Or is it just too open of a space uh, to handle that sort of construction? Well, it's a good question. And there is a formula to like ceiling height and being buried at windows. and uh, But you can do it. And, um, you know, the neatest thing about Earthships is like, you could be a ski bum and not be able to afford like heat at your house, but you don't need heat in an Earthship. So... Um, you know, you, you, you're always going to be warm at night in an earthship. So you can live way up in the mountains on a, you know, negative 20 degree morning and it'll still be 65 degrees in your house with no outside heat. It's kind of wild. So now is one of the, is one of the key ingredients to where you can build an earthship is being able to build into the ground. Well, that's how they first started, but then it turns out that we started building them above ground, but burying them on the north, east, and west. So you're, it, the entire kind of back of your house is buried in earth. And that's why we use the tires filled with uh, rammed earth, because they're strong enough to be able to handle all that weight of the dirt piled onto the back of the house. And uh, so the tires are this amazing building um, material that, um, you know, it's... It's just been a great material to use, and it's completely free 
people just will give you the tires because they cost so much money to get rid of them. So yeah, in, in the end, um, I feel like I built a little bit of a airship Did you? Are you also, there? for a second, but yeah. So you got me thinking now. What okay. about what about like a a mid mountain members only Earthship Lodge that's almost like hidden in the mountain, and maybe it's on like a double black run that it looks like it's just a big dr- cliff drop. But yeah. if you know, if you're in the know, you can go around and you can get in there for your members only experience. Hey, I love Not it. Possible. It's been a lifelong project of mine to get airships everywhere I can. I've been to Hawaii, Scotland, Mexico, all over the world, Nicaragua, building airships. But like my dream is to do an, an airship lodge or an airship, you know, house at a ski valley be just wild. I think I can see people like just extending it off this this cliff. Yeah, and they don't even know that there's this amazing earthship built into it. But those who are in the know, they know. But everyone can enjoy it. Well, as you drive up to Towski Valley, if you look up to the mountains, you'll see about 30 airships built right into the mountain, right into the granite. And all you see is the windows. And a lot of ski bombs have lived there through the years. Um, it's on a really steep mountain that, caught, you know, you need a four-wheel drive to even get to. And um, it's it's amazing. It's right at the mouth of the valley that goes up to the ski area. So um, just like seven miles from Lift 1 is an airship community. And like these ski bums that live there, when they get a heavy snow, they don't even bother with their cars. They just jump and ski off the mountain down to the road. What more could you ask for? As a I know. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So now more about the earth, Earthship. So how does it work in terms of getting a land parcel? Like, Can you just do it anywhere? I mean, I, I, granted, it's, I know it's zoning and everything is different in different places. But where you are in the Taos Valley, how, like if you were like going out there tomorrow and I'm going, I'm, I'm building, Tom, I need help. I'm building my other ship. How do I start? Well, yeah, the, the county of Taos is well versed in airships. So it's like building any other house. You'll just get a design, a piece of property and, and make an application. We actually have a, um, an airship community with like 70 houses or 100 houses. There's going to be like 50 more, but you kind of have to build into the community and follow the HOA rules for airships, which is kind of funny. Um, but um, they do adapt to any environment and you can build them really anywhere in the world uh, with a couple variances. Um, so um, they're, they're very doable. Um, they're just, they're labor intensive. Um, they're also um, a little bit tricky to build and you kind of have to be smart and, and handy to do it. But um, you know, it's, it is a great way to live uh, being on a snowy morning without any forced heat pumping into your house. It's just all natural, you know, uh, tapping into the earth temperature and all that kind of stuff. And you I mean, obviously, if you got snow up there, the temperature is getting into the you know teens and twenties in the in the winter time, and you still the, the earth ship is it still keeps you nice and toasty, huh? Yeah, and I have a little wood burning stove in mine, and man, like. If it's cloudy and cold, sometimes the airship will get a little chill in it. But I just, you know, about 10 times a year, I'll start up that little wood-burning stove. And because the airships have such tight insulation and mass, that that little stove just heats the whole house up in no time. So it's really cozy. And, uh, you know, we have lots of parties at my house after a full day of skiing. We have 
a fire outside and a fire inside and um, kids running around crazy and, um, you know, hopefully not getting too much secondhand smoke into their brains. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we all got a little bit, right? <laughs> Builds character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think uh, some of the reasons are that people haven't, or maybe it's a, a larger question for the, the big corporations, because I guess, is, you said Towses is owned by, is it a company or a family or how is that? Well, the guy that designed the Earthships, he started in 1969, just building houses out of trash for his friends to get them sheltered, Mike Reynolds. He's been running the Earthship company and he's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of small by design because I don't think he wants to lose control of the designs and everything. But, um, you know, um, I think a lot of architecture is using a lot of the principles from Earthships now and houses are getting like smarter and they're being built better and there's a lot more harvesting of water and solar. So I think the Earthships have been like the seed that kind of has um, kind of uh, encouraged a lot of change in architecture, but a straight up Earthship like Mike, he is really stringent about what it is and what it has to do. So, you know, it has to be made out, built out of recycled materials. It has to collect rainwater from the roof. It has to treat sewage. It has to do all these things um, to be a real airship. And it takes a lot. Um, it's the, they cost the same as a normal house to build because the airship actually does so much. Okay. And it's got, it definitely has a unique look to it too. And, uh-huh. you know, if your veil, if you're Aspen and you're used to this like mountain pine, big windows kind of look, it's not the same look as you're getting with the Earthship. So- yeah, but um, we had the actor Dennis Weaver who liked that look, and we built a couple of houses for him in Colorado and Ridgeway, and then one in Taos, kind of with that look, and it kind of works. Um, it looked really nice, you know. It had a kind of a cowboy theme and everything. And uh, you, you can make it look that way. But again, you know, Mike Reynolds is one of these uh, kind of genius guys that doesn't want to compromise. So I think he might have a hard time working for, you know, or advising for these companies unless he has control. Um, and uh, that's what I've always loved about him, too, is he's just uncompromising about this idea. Yeah. When you when you mentioned all the features that it had to have, my first thought, because the kind of person I am was like thinking about how bourbon has to have, there's certain requirements for something to be named a bourbon. You know, it's got to be 51% corn mash. It's got to be aged in unused charred oak barrels. You cannot have any sort of extra flavors added to it. So, you know, it's about standards, goddammit. And we're losing that a lot in this world. So it's good to see someone that still has them. Well, like, for example, like if we build a fence in our community, it has to be built out of recycled material. And so I have this giant fence that buffers my house from the main road. It's built out of about probably 5,000 beer bottles. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's like beer bottles are indigenous to the planet. And uh, I have a symbiotic relationship with beer. And it helped build my house and it helped build my fence. And it all kind of comes together in that way. And the beautiful thing is you're probably never going to run out of opportunities to get fencing then, will you? Yeah. <laughs> I have a shot in one of my videos where I pound a beer and then I slam it into the wall and cover it with Adobe mud. And uh, that's the fun thing when we were all on the Earthship crew 
you know, we, we worked hard all day and then we drink beer. And then the next morning, all those beer bottles would go into the project. So it was this crazy symbiotic relationship that I really love, you know, just reducing the amount of garbage you make and uh, using it for something useful. You're like, honey, I'm securing building materials right now. Don't bother me. Well, people always ask me about my fence. They're like, did you drink all these beers? You know, uh, all these, uh, did you make all these beer bottles? And I always just tell them I would never admit to that. (laughs) Not in one day. (laughs) But it's amazing when you see your beer bottles pile up over the years and you look at that pile and you go, oh my God, I'm, you know, it's, it actually shows you how much you've been drinking. So it, it can freak you out sometimes. I mean, you know, I I would assume you and Mario would be in the same predicament as me. Yeah. Honey, we need a bigger fence. (laughs) Doing my part. Doing my part. (laughs) (laughs) So I love the Earthship thing. I mean, again, this book and just the conversation with you, like, makes me really want to get out there and and explore Taos because it's one of those places that just seems like it's got character still, which is something we've talked about a lot on the podcast is how we seem to be losing a lot of the character in a lot of the the bigger ski resorts because again, they're they're being bought up. They're being laid into like a a plan, a cookie cutter mold that, you know, Vale of course wants that increases profit and benefits shareholders, which, you know, is so important to us skiers. It's so cool seeing that, you know, personality, character, community, that's what makes a great ski area. You know, it's, it's the people in the community. I mean, well, that seems like what you guys got going there at Taos. I don't want to promote Taos too much because I don't want too many people to live here. But, uh, but you know, uh, it has the sunshine more than any place. It's got the champagne powder. It's got affordable land still. It's on the it's still in the Rocky Mountains in the southern part of the Rocky Mountains. Um, my friend Lily and Peter, they're really good skiers. And like Lily was telling me when I was looking at like Big Sky in Montana and stuff like that, she's like Tom. This is the secret spot. It's it's the most challenging mountain, one of the top threes. It's it's got you know the, the great weather. I mean, it, there's a lot of amazing things about living near Taos Ski Valley. Um, and I've been looking at other places just because I'm kind of like you. I think I like to dream about going to other places, but I haven't found anything that's going to give me what I need. Other you know, like Taos does. So, nearby Angel. That's kind of an interesting place. It's a lot of like Texas tourists go there. And when I ski there, I'm one of the best skiers. That's one thing I like because it's not an expert (laughs) mountain, but it's still a big mountain and it still has the sunshine and all that. And so I've been thinking about moving there because it's more affordable too. But I just keep going back to Ski Valley. There's so many characters, so many amazing ski bums. I mean, I, I think I talked to you about like all my feral ski bum friends and I have 25 acres out on the high desert. And my, one of my dreams is to have a feral uh, ski bum ranch where we just have, yes. you know, a, a big giant airship and just all the ski bums can spend the night there. Um, like a you commune. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, maybe I become a cult leader, which maybe I've always wanted to be. So <laughs> we all have, we've all yes, had that I- dream. Come on. <laughs> you know, we've all dreamed of it. Let's let's be real. It's so funny. Like when I was in college, I remember like just I, I wasn't even a skier back then. And I just remember being like, I wanna go to Jackson Hole, I wanna have a giant ranch, and I wanna have a bunch of wives. Like again, like 
I had cult leader dreams early. And again, if yeah. I bought something back then in Jackson Hole, I'd be like friggin' Kanye now. Well, <laughs> maybe that's a bad thing because that guy's got some issues right now. I mean, there is part of life that's like we could only we only take on what we can handle, I guess. Like, I mean, if I won the lottery, I'd probably buy a huge place up at Jackson Hole and I'd probably uh, ruin my marriage and uh, start becoming a real jerk. So, like, you know, maybe maybe it's good that I have this humble ex- uh, existence. But um, when I ski with my best friends all day and it's one of those perfect days and we're drinking beers afterwards and, uh, I mean – that's as good as life gets. We all know it. All the skiers know it. I mean, why pursue anything more? My friends that are super wealthy, they're on their cell phone all day. I don't, I don't really need that. Oh, I hear you there. I'm trying to, it's like I'm at like one of these pivot points in my life, you know, like which you're, you're at the fork in the road, you know, like well, where'd you, uh, diverge. weren't you uh, like, there was some March deadline. I remember like you were going to make a change and then it kind of came and went. And I'm like, I understand you got two kids. But I was rooting for you. I'm so full of shit. I really am. Like I just, yeah. I keep I keep pushing it out. You know, it's like oh, it's gonna be March March 2022, man. Like that's what I'm gonna, you know, they tell my boss to shove this job, and you know, I'm gonna go live my best life. But yes, well, I'm- I uh, I saw that episode where you and your wife did an episode together, and I was like, man, Brian's got a great wife. She seems like she has a real positive attitude. Like. If there's anyone you're going to do something with like that, you probably need someone like her. Uh, like that's how my wife was. Is she was just willing to live in a tent while we were building our house. She just was tough like that. So my wife ain't that tough. I assure you. Yeah. She probably needs a five-star hotel, but uh. <sighs> she's a little yesterday. There was a spider on her shirt and I thought she was getting attacked by a King Cobra. Like it was like that level of chaos and insanity and screaming. But right. She's wonderful to a degree. Yes. But now uh-huh. she's actually, she's actually a great skier. When when I first started getting into it, like she helped me a lot because she grew up when she was in her like formative years, like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, she was in Norway. So she was skiing every weekend up in uh, like the Lillehammer area with school. Uh-huh. I mean, pretty incredible. And then, uh, you know, she's, a, she's a natural athlete too. She was always like a you know, basketball player and she's very athletic. So she's been a great ski buddy. Um, but she's also a woman. <laughs> so there's yeah, so needs. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't need to get into details and get yelled at, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> she's gonna, she's gonna want to quit early and it's too cold. It's too this. It's too that. My wife's, my wife's kind of crazy. She, uh, she's so tough that she wants to stay in the worst hotels all the time. Uh, just because she wants a bargain and I've had to put my foot down. I'm like, I can't do that low of a hotel anymore, you know? So, uh, and and then my cousin told me I married this girl because we went down to Baja, California and just slept on the beach for two months once. And he's like, you're not going to find another girl that'll do that. So uh, I guess I feel lucky about that. That's pretty awesome. I think uh, based on the story, that sounds like you've chosen pretty wisely. Yeah, 26 years uh, we've survived and raised two boys, so I, I'm feeling pretty right now. And, my, and, and still, skiing is the base of my fatherhood. When my boys come home from college, we go skiing, and we get caught up talking on the lifts, and then you get that, that outlet of the physical skiing combined with getting to talk to them on the lifts. Such a good combination. There's so many like metaphors and life parallels, too, you can kind of tie skiing to, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, you're 
you see this black diamond and this double black and it looks pretty gnarly. And like, but you know, you ask, what are you made of? Like, do you want to just go around it on the blue? Like that's one way to live life. Or you could just dive right in and, and see what you're capable of. Say, right there there. Say, my kids, like we go to a new ski area and they just, they want to go to every black diamond and I'm the one who's scared. They, you know, they've been skiing since they were kids. So to them, it's, it's nothing. But like, I've had the hell scared out of me a lot trying to keep up with these guys and my ski bum buddies that are, I have like 10 different like instructors up at Tel Ski Valley that are like invested in my ability. And man, they push me and it's, it's scary. I mean, I, I slid down a, um, you know, one of those bowls like a hundred feet once. Um, and my boys were just laughing at the bottom. And, uh, um, but that's, that's what keeps us young and alive, uh, taking chances like that. And how good does that first apres beer taste after a day like that? Forget champagne on a yacht. Forget it. It doesn't yeah. even, t- it's, it's like pond water. Well, yeah, my philosophy in life is I've wanted to write a book called the earn your beer book of sports and fitness. Like, like you got to earn those beers by working out or skiing and like they taste so much better that way. Amen. <laughs> so I, I believe in that. And um, I've always done that. Even with volleyball, I'd work out super hard and train. And then it, I, it would allow me to have four beers at night and not, you know, be, be guilty about it. So um, I'm working out for my alcoholism, I guess. There you go. It's like the Burt Kreischer school of, uh, of drinking. You know <laughs> yeah. him? The, uh, the comedian? Oh, no, I, I don't know him. I'll have to send you a link. He has this one speech on YouTube. He's like, I will never stop drinking. He's like, I will stay in shape just enough. So I can always drink. And it's you like, a lot- so, you guys were so funny the other day. Cause you, Mario was saying like, I just don't trust people that just don't drink for no reason. <laughs> like I, I get it if they have a problem, but if they just say, no, I don't drink. And I started laughing out loud because I'm kind of the same way. I'm just like, what, what do you do with your life? If you're not having a beer for a reward once in a while, you know? <laughs> I think I told the story in the podcast. We went to my, my wife's uncle is a recovering alcoholic and we went to their house the day after Thanksgiving. And it was myself. She's got two sisters and a bunch of cousins. So everyone was in their like twenties and thirties. And we're all just like sitting there, like, like, like what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> there's adults and there's us. Like, what are we supposed to do here? Yeah. I had no idea. It was the weirdest day ever. The longest day ever. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> we should have snuck something like, a little like a flask yeah. or something, but yeah, it was, again, we're not trying to all get hammered, but like just like one or two and laugh and have me tell some stories, but it was just bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I told my kids, I'm like, I started drinking at 15 and uh, I just haven't stopped. I don't know. So I don't know what to tell <laughs> it you. Makes me a better person. Yeah. <laughs> but it goes so, so well with, skin, you know, and earthship building. There you go, right? You're you're getting building materials. It's very yeah. important. You gotta you want to source the best. Exactly. <laughs> the tequila fence over here. We got six horses because of this well, fence that I helped build. Well, it's funny. The tequila bottles have great bottoms of their bottles, and we cut them in half and tape them together, and they make these beautiful bricks that bring light through into your house. So we also collect uh, all the whiskey bottles and tequila bottles, and so. People have like little glass designs with a horseshoe from like Hornitos in their house. And uh, it's, it's just another great building material. <laughs> Is there a specific tequila bottle that's the best one for building? 
Well, the Patron ones have that kind of indentation on the back. And when yeah. you cut those and, and you tape them, it actually looks like a Home Depot brick that you pay five bucks for. Uh, so, so, yeah, those work great. So basically, me throwing those in the recycling bin, I'm just giving away my building materials at this That's point. That's right. Yeah. <gasps> Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom. So, a couple more ski questions, and we'll start wrapping yeah. this up. Do you have any big ski goals for this season? Any places you want to go? Number of days yeah. you're aiming for? Well, my holy grail has always been Turner Mountain up there in Yak, Montana. Uh, I've always wanted to go up there f- for different reasons. Um, but I also want to get into ski racing, and I'm trying to get access to the racing gates at Taos Ski Valley without having to pay. And uh, <laughs> I, I kind of I have this goal to get into ski racing. All my friends say I'm insane, but um, it looks like really fun to me. So, um, and I've been I've been jumping more and more, and I've been doing a little bit of rails. And uh, so, it's always the progressions. And um, I've had to decide, like at 56, do I really want to keep pushing it, or should I just ski and be content with where I'm at? And I've decided I'm going to keep pushing it. Good for you. I, that's that's to me it seems like if you're not growing you're dying I, you know, that's I'm what i believe believer in that too you know like i'm still like working out like lifting four days a week and you know trying to i was like sprinting after my kids yesterday like i i'm doing it too partially because it's like i don't want my kids like i don't want to be the dad who's like i can't do that well come back here i'm just gonna sit here and watch you do it like i want to be the dad who's running around you know rolling in the dirt getting dirty with them because i want them to have those memories too you know, it keeps me young. It keeps them, you know, interested. And but I'm going to be part of, you know, what they're doing. Well, it's, uh, I, uh, I was in elementary school. I've been a teacher and a coach for 25 years. And, uh, you know, I used to have some tough talks with some dads that were having a hard time with their kids and yelling and hitting. And I'd always take them into my room alone and, and just say, you know, if you're if you just give your kids attention and love, there it's gonna pay off a million times over. And like you don't need to overreact to anything, even their bad behavior. Just stay in the game, give those kids attention, play with them, and man, you're gonna be the best dad ever. And like when I hear you talking about your kids, I'm like, Brian's like the ideal dad for these kids. They're gonna they're gonna have such a great life, you know, skiing with you and having that bond with you. I mean, there's nothing better that a dad can do. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's tough, you know, like, uh, you know, especially you had two boys. So, you know, like boys can be, you know, they, they, they want to, at one point, you know, they challenge the alpha, they want to eat the liver. You know, that's just how, you know, that's how it goes in the, the, the male pecking order. And, you know, you, in a way you want to prepare them to be that alpha. Yeah. It's, uh, the boys will push you to want to like scream and alpha dominate them. But like you just got to resist that because that you can just blow your relationship with your kids. But like I was amazed when my kids were like four and five, how many people were like promoting that I needed to yell at them or hit them, you know, and it's just like like people are invested in that for some reason. And it's just like, no, you just need to give them some boundaries and you need to follow through on some of your. And have kindness and love and you're going to do great. It's funny how panicked some dads get when their kid isn't like doing exactly what they want. And it's just like patience and love, man. It's going to, it's going to work. 
And I think all these ski bombs in the world, they're doing it so good, like raising their kids that way. Like they're going to always have that bond. Yeah. Yeah. It's the thing. Like, again, I, why, why I try to stay in shape is that I just want to be around for them. Like when they're in their twenties and thirties and you know they bring their kids out there, like I want to be able to, to go out there. Like I want to yeah. still be able to at least, at least be functioning and teach them a little something, you know, like it's just, it's, it's just a gift that you will always have and you can always share with them which I, sure. there's nothing else you can buy them all the crap you want, but that, that's just stuff. This memories. Like, I mean, I still think about the days we go out there together and I remember them so fondly. I don't remember the dumb stuff I did at work the day before. I don't think about the bills I was stressing out about the day before. Like I just think about the great times that we had together. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, uh, the, the kids, they just, need to get away from the phones and the computers and what a better way than skiing. And man, when you let them loose on a mountain at five years old, they're starting to experience independence and they get kind of cocky and confident and all those things you want to, you know, enhance with your children. And uh, it's kind of like, I always told people that Taos Ski Valley was like this great neighborhood where the kids could go anywhere and do anything because everyone knew them. Everyone would keep an eye on them. And they were just like, it was a safe neighborhood. Like we live out in the middle of nowhere, so we don't have much of a neighborhood. I grew up in a really cool neighborhood, but Towski Valley was my kid's neighborhood. You know, they could go to this restaurant and get candy and go over here and play pool. And like people would tell me, hey, I saw Josiah up on uh, lift four. You know, it's like this community up there is really nice. Kind of watching out for each other and uh, making sure everyone's taken care of, which is, hey, that's, that's a beautiful thing. It was. It has been. Yeah. Tom, anything else you want to share? Um, if people want to find out more information about Earthships, where can they find that that YouTube video? Well, you can just you know go to YouTube and just type in Earthship, and there's a bunch of videos. Uh, the one that I have like there's like four million views on is, and I give a tour of all the different Earthships. That was by a lady named Kirsten Dirksen that does all these um, architectural videos and so she's kind of well known and you can just go to like earthship.com we there's also um, an academy where we do lectures and hands-on building for students they can come out for a month and learn how to do it you can also do it like my wife and i just come out and just force yourself on everyone and (laughs) tell them you're going to help them build your house and start getting some experience that way but there's a ton of resources online and um um and then you can do the, the Earthship Academy is this great experience for a lot of people. Like you really get all the instruction and, and all the hands-on kind of help you need if you want to build one. Take that Vail Village. Right? What's that? Vail Village has nothing on Earthship community yeah. in Taos, right? No, no. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping all the Vail Villages of the world really start using some of the concepts, um, especially the sewage treatment. Like, when I leave Towski Valley on a Sunday, you can smell the sewage and it's got to be overloading the system. And there's a creek right there. And so I'm sure untreated sewage gets let loose in there. And it's like if they had your traditional Earthship Blackwater absorption field, they could they could treat all that all that sewage and not even pump it into the river. Um, so that's just one of my soapbox subjects. As humans... Let's learn how to treat our own shit. Let's grow sunflowers with our shit instead of <laughs> using energy to, to kill the bacteria and then pump it into a river. Like plants can absorb shit. Like let's do it. 
Hey man, I, I live in New Jersey. I know all about sewage and shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the big issue. Telling me. <laughs> well, Tom, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was great finally getting to chat with you. And I will put the links in the show notes so they can find the videos and Earthship Academy. So thank you so much. And uh, anytime you want to come back on, man, we're always welcome to have you. Hey, I love it. It's, it's been a dream ever since I've been listening to you guys, you know, four years ago. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to be part of the program finally. All right. Thank you so much. And we will do our best to get out there this winter. And, and keep it up. You and Brian got, I mean, you and Mario got talent. I want, I want to see you, I want to see you guys move into, in the, in the more and better and uh, more celebrity uh, kind of uh, situation in the future. Cause you guys got that talent. I appreciate it. Thank you. So if you want to be our agent, like, We'll give you a ten percent. Here, I, I would do it. We'll talk. Let's figure something out. Okay. <laughs> All right, Tom. Thanks so much. Good, good talking, Brian. All right, you too. Hope you guys enjoyed that. If you want more information, check out the website skibumpodcast.com. We'll have links in the show notes so you too can check out Taos and Earthship Living. Awesome. Well, that wraps the old podcast up for the week. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on the socials, X, Facebook, Instagram, Untapped, YouTube, at skibumpodcast. Become part of the family. Patreon.com slash skibumpodcast. Need some swag, some gear. The upcoming season, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. 10,000 if you're looking for some workout gear to get you ready for the upcoming ski season. Can't recommend it enough. 10,000.cc. Use the code BSchneider15 for 15% off. Snowbound Expo. It's coming up November 3rd through 5th up in Boston. We are going to have a great interview next week and we'll learn out more about Snowbound. We'll get fired up for it. We'll get you fired up. We can't wait. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluent. See ya.